Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Hallelujah. I started to do one of them cartwheels when I came up, (laughs) but I didn't want to show them girls up. Turn this down, please. Hallelujah. Good morning. It's good to see you. Y'all all tell Brother Pastor, good morning, Pastor, together. He's watching live streaming today, so he's getting the benefit of what it is that's going on in this place. Amen? So uh, I sound awfully hollow, guys. Can you turn me down, turn me around, do whatever it is it takes? All right, good morning. Listen, we've been uh, studying. How many of you noticed that uh, the back wall is a bit different? Uh, And uh, so it's a process that we're working through, but I believe that it's going to be wonderful whenever it uh, gets complete. You know, this sometimes change can be messy. And uh, so we're just excited about all that God is doing. Now they got me down in the barrel. So uh, we'll work through this. Gosh, it's good to see you all today. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. Miss Betty, if you'll just move your head around a little bit, you'll find out that your crick in the neck is gone. If you'll just move it around, it'll be all over. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Well, God is awesome, is he not? Listen, I want to, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to adapt myself to my new environment. Uh, uh, church is different than when I used to preach here all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm used to being on the lower level instead of the upper level. So I get a different perspective of you guys. Uh, it's good, but it's different. And uh, then I'm used to looking at the screen when I'm preaching and I'm looking at the other screen And so I've brought my iPad today, and so I'm going to try to use my iPad and my thumb and work through this. And so you bear with me. You know, it's the old adage, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So we'll see how that works out. Pastor has been teaching us for the last three or four weeks out of a passage in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, you're familiar with the passage, but I'm not sure that you're familiar with the context. Please let me encourage you in your Bible study to always identify the context. If you try to take a verse of Scripture out of context and make it say what you want it to say instead of what it says, you will be unfruitful in, in making that happen in your life. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. It is not open to a private interpretation. In other words, you cannot make the Word say what you want it to say. The Word says what it says. It's our responsibility then to adapt ourselves to what the Word says, not try to adapt the Word to what we want it to say. Vital, important information. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to understand 
that the Bible was giving to, given to us within the context of a specific purpose and reason. It is not to proof text what you want it to say. It is to give you what it is that you and I are to do. So I felt impressed as I was praying last night that it would be beneficial if I would uh, be, uh, give you a bit of, uh, I just wanted to read the passage. And what I want you to see is, is that there is this contrast. I, I, if you don't understand the contrast, then you'll not understand the, 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 the purpose that the word is, is talking about in the midst of that. And so I want to take just a moment and, and I want to read what it is that this passage says. It's not going to be on the screen. And I'm going to be live, reading from the New Living Testament. And uh, this is chapter 2 of First Peter. Now you'll remember the passage just to refresh you what it is. Verse 9 says, But you were not like that. For you were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Now to properly apply that scripture, and pastor has been doing an awesome job in, in leading us through this passage. But I felt that it would be vitally important today that we would look at the context just a little bit before we move into, the, into the, the body of what it is that I feel the Lord has prompted me to share with you. What I want you to notice as we go through this, I want you to notice the contrast. I want you to see that when Peter starts out pinning this epistle, that he is drawing a direct comparison between who you used to be and who you are now in Christ. And all of this is going to tie in with the message in a few moments. Now, let me just read beginning in verse 1, chapter 2, 1 Peter. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God with, for great honor. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that Please God, as the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, 
you who trust him recognize the honor that God has given, but for those who reject him, now notice the contrast. He said, this is the way you used to be, and now this is what your faith in Jesus Christ has done. He said, he is the stone that makes people stumbled for those who trust him. Let me read verse 7 again. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him. Do you see the contrast? He said, for those that have received him, there is this result. For those who refuse to receive him, there is this result. And we need to see that to properly understand the passage that we've been studying through. He goes on and says, they stumble, the ones who fail to believe in him. They stumble because they do not obey God's word and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. See, now we get into the text of the passage. But you are not like that because you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He goes on after that and says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. What I want you to see is that is that your life as a believer is to be different. Now you'll understand my emphasis a little bit more as we begin to move through our, our teaching this morning in the midst of that. Perhaps you have noticed, perhaps you haven't noticed. Oh, I know what the trouble is. It's there. Perhaps you have noticed that in this world there is a great deal of confusion. Has anybody noticed that? The lines are getting more blurred between right and wrong. There's much confusion about what it is about good and bad and what it is. Who can I trust? You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to say to you that there is a confusion in the world today. And that confusion is in almost every area of our life. For instance, white supremacy, black lives matter, all lives matter, abortion, socialism, capitalism, defund the police, close the borders, open the borders, gender confusion, sexual confusion, Democrats, Republican, independents, political confusion. Vote, don't vote, election confusion. There is confusion in the world. And ladies and gentlemen, sadly, it has crept into the churches. Now, I want to issue a warning to us. Thank God that this church is standing and takes a stand on the Word of God. Thank God but there are multiple places that you could go to today where this confusion has come into the church. Where they are doing and, and approving many, many things that are not biblically sound. They are taking many passages out of context. They're not receiving the unadulterated word of God. And I want you to know it, don't, it doesn't only happen on a, 
a church-wide level, it happens to individuals. You see, the reason that it's important that we understand who we are, because that's what pastor's been teaching us, who we are in Christ. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. That's who we are. But never forget that that same passage that tells us who we are tells us what it is that we do. We shine a light in a darkened world. People look at your life, they look at my life, and they determine what it is to be a Christian because as we claim to be a Christian, we need to be demonstrating what it is that we have been translated from darkness to light. What they should, be see, what they should see coming out of our lives is light, not darkness. Because much of the world is in darkness. I want to emphasize to you your personal responsibility as a believer to govern your life biblically. I want to challenge you best I can from the Word of God. I'm going to use a lot of Scripture today. I want to challenge you not to be moved by what you see. Don't let what you see cancel out what God has said. Can I say that again? Don't let what you see cancel out what God has said because his word is forever settled in heaven. Your circumstances are subject to change. COVID will come to an end. Your frozen pipes will get fixed. Your sheetrock will get repaired. Your broken car will get repaired. It will get better. Circumstances change but when we allow people to take the Word of God and change the Word of God to suit the circumstances that they find themselves in, we are setting ourselves up for dismal failure. Success comes not when we have everything the world says. Success comes when we have and are pursuing what it is that God's Word says is important to pursue in the midst of that. So what does it mean, confuse? I, I, I found, had some fun with this. Look, look at this passage where it says confuse. To confuse is to cause someone to become bewildered or perplexed. See, that's kind of what the IRS has done with your federal tax return. Now, I'm being honest. Because it's difficult for a layman to understand the terminology. It's, it's what the pharmaceutical companies have done on your pill bottles. I mean, you get a bottle of pills this big, it's got seven sheets of instructions, cautions, things to do and things not to do. We live in a confused world. We have been made confused. You see, there's someone that has caused us to become bewildered or perplexed. I mean, who do we believe? Do you, do, do you believe that, that, that the evening news is telling us the truth? Probably not. Do, 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 do you believe that, that, that pharmaceutical companies that are making billions of dollars off of your sickness are really interested in you getting well? I'm touching on some stuff now. 
I'm just asking you a question. You, you see, you've got to come back and say, what does God's word say? Let me tell you when COVID will end for you, when it ends inside you. As long as you receive the reports, it'll never end for you. You'll be con it doesn't matter what's going on, you'll be confused about the outcome and the result of it. Confuse also means to make something more complex or less easy to understand. See, a lot of people have done that with the Word of God. Well, you know, the Word of God is a holy book. And my goodness, you surely don't think the likes of you can understand what God's Word said. Listen, if you'll do a little research on the Word of God, you'll find that it was written in the very everyday English, the Greek language of the day. God did not intend for his word to be confusing, and he's done everything he can do to make it less confusing. Now, I thought, interesting, look at that bottom line. The origin of the word confuse, notice this, bring to ruin. The purpose of confusion is to bring to ruin. So the more confused that you and I can be, the, the more we don't understand that God created us male and female, and, and we believe that there are 57 different genders, then we're going to be confused about what we believe. When we simply go to the Word of God, and the Word of God says He created them male and female. You, you see, confusion brings division. Now look at this word confused here. Now you see, confused is the verb. It's the action. Confused is the adjective, which is the result of the action. Because confusion came, we are confused. Are you following what I'm saying? Now notice what it says about this unable to think clearly. Well, you know, Brother Jim, I just don't know what to believe. Gosh, I don't know what to do. I am just bewildered, lacking order and thus difficult to understand, lacking clear distinction of elements and they're jumbled. You see, confused is the action and confused is the result of the action. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, confusion always brings division. Anybody ever had your feelings hurt because you misunderstood and were confused about what someone said? Sure you have. Absolutely. Because confusion. See, what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is because we are the body of Christ, because we are a chosen people, because we are a royal priesthood, because we do have God as our Father, because we belong to Him, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we need to go back and see who it is that our daddy is, as the kids were saying. You know, we, we, we do need to be the priest and princesses that God's created us to be. Your life does need to be different. Thank God you're not like everybody else in the midst of that, in the midst of that. Now I want you to notice here, we're going to look at the, the responsibility, and, and I want you to understand this because it may be a bit confusing. Ah. Uh, Are you confused yet? No. I'm trying to clarify, not confuse. Stay with me till the end. Hallelujah. 
I'm, I'm going to say this to you, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again until Jesus calls me home. The greatest influence on my journey has been the local church. With, without a doubt, I have met some wonderful preachers. I've met some great individuals. God has deposited people in my life. But when I look over my 78 years and I look back and I looked at the things that have guided and directed me, it has been the local church and the people that make it up. Listen, church, there are people, hundreds and hundreds of people just like me. A little old fat boy raised up all over this state looking at you and saying, that's how I want my life to be. I like that person. I'm going to be like that. See, we are a chosen people. We are a, a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. But the Bible says we've been set apart unto righteousness. And when we allow unrighteousness to come and dwell in our body just because, or in our lives, just because we, we are, uh, we're trying to please someone else. I'm taking a strong stand for the Word of God today. Some people would say I'm chasing my tail like a dog, but I want to talk to you this morning about this. The people are the church, and the church is the people. Do you know Harvest Time Church is nothing other than the, than the gathering of those of us that are in this building today? You take the people away, the church no longer exists. That's it. It's done. Because you see, the church is the people, and the people are the church in the midst of that. Now, I want you to think about this as I go through this quickly. The church as the organization, the people as the individuals who make it up. So I'm talking to us collectively, but I'm talking to us individually too. I'm saying not only do we as a church have a responsibility to the people, but the people, time for a technical intermission. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, now we got it. All right, let's go through this thing. We're going to talk about the responsibility of the church to the people. Now, I've made a, uh, an acrostic out of people. This is where we're going. I'm going to move quickly because we're out of time because the praise team took up too much time. All right. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... We're now, follow me now. We're, I'm talking about... I don't want you to be confused. I'm talking about the responsibility of the group to the individual. Are you following me now? This church, Harvest Time Church... Every church has a responsibility to the individual members of that church, as well as the collective congregation. What is the church's responsibility to the people, individually and collectively? This means, yes, Jim, I understand. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. I don't want you to be confused. I'm talking about there is a responsibility that we collectively as a church bear to the individual and to one another in the midst of that. So the first one is this. We are to prepare and not to pacify. More and more I'm hearing from, from people that I know that are being censored 
in churches. Evangelists telling me that before they let me come and preach, they have this rule, you don't mention repentance, you don't mention abortion, you don't mention... Now that's happening and can be confirmed dozens of times. Many times there is a, a, a warning, do not let the Holy Spirit move because it offends people. Now I'm, I'm not talking about a few churches. Now, how can we avoid confusion in the church? By building it on the Word of God, not on the likes and dislikes of what men may be saying. So the question needs to be not what does Pastor Noe believe, what does Pastor Jim believe, what do the elders believe, those are important things, but what does the Bible say? Because that's where confusion is cut, nipped in the bud, and understanding begins to get clear by the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the midst of that. Now I'm going to go through these quickly. The purpose of the church to the people is to prepare, not pacify. My intent this morning was not to make you come to this church and feel easy about being here. My purpose is not to make you like me better than you did when, I, when you came. It's not to impress you with my abilities. It is simply to prepare you for life. It is prepare you to be the witness that God called you to be. It's to equip you for the work of ministry. Now let's quickly move through these. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God has appointed. Who appointed him? God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gift of healings, helps administration, various kinds of tongues. Next verse. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists. Now who gave them to the church? Who appointed them in the church? And he gave them for a specific purpose, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of Man to a mature man. See, the purpose of the church, one of the responsibilities that the church has to the congregation is to equip you to do the ministry, to raise you up to where you're mature, to where you're not carried about by every wind of doctrine, where something comes along that seems like others are embracing, you don't embrace it because the Word of God is contrary to that. So he said, I have given to the church Apostles, prophets, let me say this again, please, miss. We are all ministers. We are all witnesses. We are not all pastors. We are not all preachers. We are not all apostles. We are not all evangelists. God, in His Word, specifically said, I have given the fivefold ministry to the local church to equip the saints for the work of men. Doesn't mean they're better. 
It means they have a greater responsibility before God and will answer before God. Let not many of you become teachers, the word says, because they will incur a stricter condemnation. You see what I'm saying? It, 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 there's this movement in the churches, well, that everybody, no, 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 no. Everybody is not the same in the local church. We're not better than anybody else, but we're set there by God. Now, what does he say? He said, I gave to the church that they might equip the church. Now, how do they equip the church? Here it is, church. Preach the word. Preach the word. Not preach a series or preach a book or preach the word. Preach the word. Why? Because the word dispels confusion. The word shows unity. The word shows where it's supposed to be going. Preach the word. You see what I'm saying? But many churches don't preach the word because the word will convict you of sin. The word will convict you of unrighteousness. The word will make you feel responsible for doing something with your salvation. It will bring you to repentance. God forbid. That's the purpose of the word. That's what church is supposed to be about. It's taking a bunch of guys like me and you that God has washed in the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he wants us to be the light in the world to show forth his glory, not, not to make everything look good. That's what the word says. Preach the word. Notice this. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. Lord, give me patience. Why? Why preach the word? Listen to what the word says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, you chosen people, you royal priesthood, you who have been bought with a price, you who belong to Jesus, you who are filled with the Holy Ghost, you who classify and call yourself believers, but you be sober in all things. You see, the responsibility of the church is to prepare not to pacify in the midst of that. Secondly, it's to engage and not entertain. You know, I'm a little nervous when somebody says, oh, church service was wonderful today. The music was good. I want good music. But the purpose is not to entertain. You know, uh, thank God we're upgrading our facilities and they desperately needed that. Thank God for that. But let's not ever fall into the trap that we're here to entertain people when they come. No, we're here to prepare people for the destiny that God has called them to. To be the chosen people. To be the royal priesthood. To be a holy nation. And that doesn't happen just because you prayed to receive Jesus Christ. It happens when you apply yourself to the principles of the Word of God. 
That's the reason he said, I've appointed some people in the church to preach the word so the people might grow up to become who it is that I have made them to be. That's what it's about. He said, go forth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. Notice here's the going, the making, the baptizing, and the teaching. That's what the church is about. It's urging us to go out into the fields because the field is white unto harvest. It is is teaching us. It's it's allowing us to be baptized into the body of Christ so that we have unity and purpose and direction and we're not nine different people going in nine different ways. We are one group of people united by the blood of Jesus to bring about the change in the world. That's what we're for. Our responsibility as the church is to do that in the midst of that. It's to organize and not ostracize. Aren't you glad Pastor Noah is an organizer? He'll organize you to death if you let him. I mean, he just organizes this. And I love organization. People used to come look at my shop at the house and they'd say, this is the most orderly shop I've ever seen. I mean, every bolt and nut was in the right place. I love to know where stuff is when I want to find it. Thank God that God has set us a pastor in this house that is organized, and that's what he does. You know, when you walk in that door, if you're visiting with us today, when you walk in that door, there's somebody outside to meet you. That's organization. There's somebody on the inside to greet you a second time. There's somebody that's there to hand you a bulletin. All of that's organization. That happened. That just doesn't happen because we're good people. It happened because somebody called us up or sent us a message and said, would you be a greeter at the door today? And they even tell you which door. See, organization makes for a better organization. And we're better because we are learning where we need to be serving. See, another part of, the, of this whole thing is, is, that, is that, that a church looks at you. See, this five-fold ministry looks at you and says, you're in the wrong place. You need to be doing this because that's where your passion is. That's where your gifting is. That's where you, well, I've just been doing this 27 years. Well, you've been doing it wrong 27 years. That's the reason you've been so miserable. The reason you hated to come to church because you wasn't where you're supposed to be. We need to organize. Listen to this, Titus 1.5, Paul says, to, to, I left you, therefore, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Paul said to Titus, I'm leaving you here because I want you to organize so that people won't be ostracized. Look at this one. I thought about using this word responsibility of the church is to pray for not to pimp. Now, you know what pimp is. Pimp is normally used in, in the context of prostitution. A pimp is someone who puts together a group of male and female prostitutes, those who sell their bodies for a price for sexual favors, The person that organizes that is called a pimp. 
And for his work, he gets a portion of the take. So the more prostitutes he has, the more profit he makes. Can I say to you, there are churches that are pimping their congregations for what they can get. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, we have a responsibility to pray over you, not to take advantage of you. Not, not to use you for gain. Not, not to say, oh boy, I tell you, do you know how much money that guy makes? We need him in our church. That's pimping your church. That's exactly right. Now, thank God, I think a church ought to have all the rich people. I think every one of you ought to be multimillionaires. I think I ought to make a jillion dollars a year. But not if I've got to pimp you. If I've got to take advantage of you and use you and make you subservient. No, sir. Church is here to pray for the people. We're here to love you and not leave you. Boy, it's hard to keep up with the congregation. You, you, you just don't have any idea. You, you know, you, you guys, when y'all leave here, you know how many different directions you go? However many there are here. You just go in 900. And you know when you miss, we don't know whether you're mad at last week or whether you're out with Aunt Susie or we don't know where you are. And then you have the audacity to get offended because somebody doesn't contact you when you've been playing hide and seek with the church all month. <laughs> well, didn't nobody from the church call me? Well, dear God. But the responsibility is to love you as best we can. That's a part of the church. So it's not only our responsibility as pastoral staff, it's your responsibility as the people to take care of the people. We're going to talk about the people just in a minute. That's good on it. Hallelujah. It wasn't a cell phone though. Hallelujah. <laughs> Makes you wish you had carpet on the floor when that happens. <laughs> All right. We're to love and not leave. Fervent in your love for one another. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one, now here we go, each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Some of you in here have the gift of hospitality. I mean, you just thrive. You like people to come into your house. You love... You, you, and others of you cringe at the thought of somebody stopping by with three weeks advance notice. <laughs> so who do you want hosting a life group? The guy that doesn't like people. <laughs> I don't want anybody in my house. And you're asking me to let 12 people I don't know and three kids come into my house? No, 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 no. You see, the responsibility of the church is to learn the people and learn to love them where they are. And the last thing is to enjoy. Church 
ought to be enjoyable. Can I say that again? Church needs to be enjoyable. We need to laugh. We need to hug. We need to, to, to have uh, relations with one another. We need to know about one another. We need to fellowship together. We need to go out to eat together. We need to spend time together because it, uh, we need to enjoy one another. You know, I've been to some churches. I went to, when we were, after we left here as a, as a lead pastor, we did seven years of ministry called Barnabas Ministries, lived full-time in our motor home. And we went to a church, and I'll not name the city, but we went to a church there, and literally, if you were standing in the middle of the back door, you might get trampled after the final amen. I mean, those people didn't enjoy being together at all. I didn't even know why they came. <laughs> so being the gentle, compassionate, loving man that I am, I stood in the pulpit about the second Sunday, and I said to them, all right, the pastor had resigned, so I can understand why I had a nervous breakdown. I was standing in the pulpit, and I said, all right, we're not leaving here until somebody invites me and my wife to go to lunch with them. And we waited. And when they got tired of waiting, somebody said, well, pastor, you can go with us if you want to. I, I said, that's good enough. We were in that church nine months as the interim pastor. And by the time we left, those people, you couldn't drive them away from church. They, I'd say, y'all go home. I've got to lock the church up. Please, go, some, go to cafe and fellowship. They loved being together. They were enjoying one another. Now, let's quickly talk about the responsibility of the people. Now, this is the individual to the church. See, we've been talking about the responsibility of the church to the people. Now we're going to talk about your responsibility and my responsibility individually to the church. And we're going to use that same format of church. You should be changed. You should honor. You should undergird. You should be responsible. You should be committed. And you shall be, you should be here in the midst of that let me say this. This is what the Bible says about a Christian. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Can you say amen? amen. Now, what should have happened because I am in Christ? That was the contrast that Peter was talking about. He was saying, yeah, you are a chosen people. Yeah, you are a royal priesthood. Yeah, you are a holy nation. But because you are, there should have been a change in your life. You should be different than you were. You don't just join the church. You're born into the church. You're born again into the church by the Spirit of God washed in the blood of Jesus. And so, if in fact we are saved, our life's going to be different. 
Look at the quote that I put up on the, on the screen. The real evidence of a person who is saved, born again, is a changed lifestyle. Don't you ever, don't you ever try to get me to okay a believer that is not trying to get better in their, in their walk with God. If you're not in the process of becoming, then something's wrong with your processes. See, again, we go back to this thing. Many have chosen to them what feels good. But the Bible says it's not about what feels good. It's what is the requirement of my word. What is the evidence that I have been born again? I am a new creature. Now, we've excused that away. We've said, oh, that, I'm new spiritually. My Bible said if I'm a holy priesthood, if I'm a royal nation, then my life ought to be different than it was before I became a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Don't ever get mad because the church confronts sin. Even yours. Don't, don't ever excuse away your sinfulness because everybody's doing it. Don't, don't, don't you ever okay anything the Word says is not okay just simply because it's something you like. Or even if some of your children or your grandchildren. You, you can't do that. You cannot compromise the Word of God because of the circumstances of the life. I, I remember... And this is a, is a very painful thing. And, and I had a pastor friend of mine whose brother had taken his own life. And this man that had taken his life was probably in his 40s. The preacher was a younger brother. And at his funeral, he stood up and not in any way accusing anything. He said, yes, my brother committed suicide. He didn't try to explain it away. He didn't try to make it all right. He, he just simply said, that's the fact. That's the way it is. That's what we've got to deal with in the midst of that. See, and, and until, you, until you confront your demons, until you and I confront the thing that trips us up the most, we'll never have victory over it. As long as you endorse your gossip, as long as you endorse your hateful, your hateful attitude, as long as you say, well, it's okay because... Every no, no, no. When you stop saying something is wrong, it needs to be fixed in Jesus' name. And then you begin to look to your father and say, Father, help me get through this. Help me overcome this. Give me the victory in the midst of that. Secondly, it's your responsibility to honor the leadership. Notice in Hebrews 13, 7, says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. I don't mind sharing with you perhaps the greatest concern in my life as an aging pastor is the people who sit under 
our ministry and under our leadership who no longer walk with the Lord. That's the thing that concerns me. Young people who grew up in our youth group, and it's not just this church, it's every church on the face of this earth. Young people who grew up in the youth group actively. I, I can think of right now of, of, uh, of two or three young men that was in our youth group early on who were absolutely dynamic preachers. I'm talking young men, 16, 17, 18, call of God on their life. The anointing of God was there. The, they had been called by God and set in as that place. And many of them don't even go to church, much less give God the time of day. Fact of business have embraced much of the world. Even one of those young men is living in a, in a homosexual lifestyle. That concerns me. That, that, that saddens my heart. That breaks my heart. And I think, how could have I done different? How could I have done better? How could have I, what could have I done? See, it's, it's not only you who struggle, it's the leaders who struggle in the, in the midst of that. Look at this passage here. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. I say, God, am, am I going to stand before you one day and, and have to give an explanation of why so-and-so left the faith? I, I don't know. But listen to, you matter. Your life is important. Your witness is key to somebody coming into the kingdom. Pastor's going to lead us in the next weeks in, in, out of the people in, into the purpose. Not only the, the, the who, but now the why. I'll tell you why you have been saved, why you have been born again. I'll tell you why we encourage you and the Word of God encourages you to let your light shine because it's a dark world. I'm telling you, somebody needs what you have got. They don't need a watered-down, weak version of some Jesus who doesn't, can't make up his mind and is confused about what the Father said. Jesus said, all I say is what I hear my Father say. All I do is what I hear my Father do. I haven't said anything new. I haven't done anything new. It's what the Father's been doing the whole time. Don't let the world steal you away. Don't let the world steal your faith, young people, because he, the, the world will, and the devil is the God of this world. You have to be vigilant. You have to be sober. You have to, you have to know there's an adversary out there. There's an enemy out there, and he's seeking to steal you away and steal your kids away. He doesn't want you to have a witness. He wants you to be confused the rest of your life. You're to undergirt the leadership. Pray for us. You're to be responsible. Some of you, by this time, Hebrew says, "For though by this time you ought to have been teachers, you have need again someone, someone to teach you the elementary things. Grow up. Be responsible. Don't expect somebody to beg you to come to church. If church is going on, come to church. Don't, don't expect somebody to beg you to read your Bible, to pray. Read your Bible and pray. That's the responsible thing to do. That's just the, you know, 
Well, you know, I don't know what to do. Well, yeah, don't tell me you don't know what to do. You, you know, you can chase the smallest thing on the Internet. Don't tell me you don't know how to study your Bible. You, you know how it works. And you know what it takes to grow up in the midst of that. So be responsible in the midst of that. And let God teach you what it needs to go. Be committed. This makes harmony. All the members care for the one another. Notice what's happening in your neighbor's life. Listen to what they're saying. When you walk in the door and they say, Hi, how you doing today? Well, hadn't been the best week. That's a cue. Care for your neighbor. Well, can I pray with you about something? Love one another. Be committed to the cause, to what it is that's going on. And here's the last one. Just be here. Can I read this verse to you? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. What does that mean? That means come to church. Not when you don't feel like, come to church. It's a good place to get healed. When you don't like the people that come, come to church, you learn to love them. When you're mad at the preacher, come to church. Come, come to church because it is in that church and the not forsaking yourselves, the assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. You don't want to know what excites the preacher is the full house. Empty pews are condemning. Filled pews are exhilarating. Just be faithful and come. Don't find every excuse. Now, let me say this to those of you that are watching, if you hadn't turned the TV off. If you go out to eat, now I'm not talking to y'all, I'm talking to them. If you go out to eat, and you go to H-E-B and Walmart, and you don't come to church because of the COVID, you need to repent, get your heart right, because you're a lot more likely to catch it at Walmart than you are at the church. Personal disclaimer. Do, do you see the hypocrisy in staying away from church and going everywhere else you want to? That's hypocrisy. Well, now, it did say rebuke, didn't it? Didn't I read you that? It said part of my responsibility is to rebuke and reprove. Just part of my job. All right, let's get close up. I would have an altar call, but all of you need to be down here. <laughs> and me first. You know, as I've grown older, I've understand there's some things that I can't do that I used to do, and I hate that. But my wife was, well, she said she was praying, but she was whining. <laughs> and... Uh, the Lord told her that she needed to minimize her limitations 
and celebrate her abilities. I think that's wise. Is you're important to the church. You're important to me as an individual. And even beyond that, you're important to people that you don't even know that see you get up every Sunday morning and get dressed and get your Bible and come to church. You used to be this way. You used to be like the world. But now you've been adopted by your Father. And because of that... Now let your new DNA begin to shine forth, not the old stuff that you were made of. Let the Spirit of God be your guide. Let the Word of God be your anchor. Don't be confused by what others are saying. Come back and say, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says this is wrong and this is right. The Bible says do this and don't do this. It's not that hard. The heart is, is when we say, now we know the truth, we're responsible to do the truth in the midst of that. You know, John Hagee uh, and Matt Hagee, his son, who's uh, quickly taking over the ministry there in San Antonio, they have a blessing that they, I don't know how often they change it, but they change it occasionally and they speak it. And it's kind of like the old uh, Abrahamic uh, blessing that was spoken over the, the nation of Israel on various and sundry occasions. But let me just read this to you. All right, stand and we'll read that over you. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, giving you his peace. May you walk in the anointing that the Lord is going to send the rain of blessing in your life, that your Father who loves you more than you can possibly imagine is going to open the windows of heaven and give you the desires of your heart. For the Word of God says, no good thing will He withhold from those who diligently seek Him. I like the King James where it says, those who walk uprightly. You have sought his face today and you have asked. Therefore, in faith, receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's what I want you to do with what you've heard. I don't want you to reject it at face value. I want you to take it home with you and I want you to get before God and I want you to say, Holy Spirit, where do I need to begin? And in a loving, gentle voice, because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world through him might be saved. What he's going to say to you is, let's start right here. And you know what your response needs to be? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And then let him lead you gently and lovingly as the father would lead his child into the victory that he has for you because you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are set apart unto God. And we can all say thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.